Pastor Xavier Reese on the difference between carelessness and faith. Abram willfully sinned. He lied. Abram caused Sarah to lie by telling her to lie. Abram caused Sarah to be in danger of being defiled sexually. Abram was willing to take a chance that Sarai was safe but not gone. He was not amused by Abram's conduct. He is ever faithful to the covenant. Abram was not trusting him. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Scripture says, By faith men conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, and on and on and on. Well, when does faith become foolishness? Here's Pastor Xavier with today's study on faith, beginning with our text from the book of Genesis. Let's listen. Genesis chapter 12, we're going to be looking at verse 10 all the way to chapter 13, verse 4. And the message entitled, Faith or Foolishness? We come to the person of Abraham. He is a key figure in the book of Genesis. He's a key figure for the Jewish faith and religion and the nation, as well as Christianity. He's called the father of faith. He's called a friend of God three times in the scriptures. We are all known as sons and daughters of Abraham as we trust the gospel. And he's the man that God has chosen to build the nation of Israel through whom the Messiah would come. And yet Abram is 100% a man, human, as you and I, because he still has sin nature, and he has a great lapse of faith here. He decided to resort to himself, and that's where he failed. Let me read um, this passage, and we'll give you the points. Chapter 12, verse 10, beginning, says, Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there. For the famine was severe in the land. And it came to pass when he was close to entering Egypt that he said to Sarai, his wife, Indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance. Therefore, it will happen when the Egyptians see you that they will say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please say, You are my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake, and that I may live because of you. So it was when Abram came into Egypt that the Egyptians saw the woman, that she was very beautiful. And the princes of Pharaoh also saw her and commended her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. He treated Abram well for her sake. He had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male and female servants, female donkeys, and camels. But the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister? I might have taken her as my wife. Now, therefore, here is your wife. Take her and go your way. And so Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him and sent him away with his wife and all that he had. Then Abram went down from Egypt he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with them 
to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold, and he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there at first, and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. We want to look at the lapse of faith of Abram, which is evident by three things. First, the perils of plans that are not of God in verse 10 to 17 of chapter 12. The perils of the plans that are not of God. Then we move to verse 18 to 20, the problem of being a bad witness of God. And then, thirdly, verse 1 through 4, chapter 13, the personal need of getting right with God. This is the first stepping out after his full obedience. Very important lesson for us as Christians. For everything that is written in the Old Testament is written for our learning, for admonition. Lest we come to the very same place. We are not given the New Testament or Old Testament to criticize these people. We are here to look at the observation critically that we might learn from them lest we come to the very same place. Because they were men and women just as you and I. And so we want to look at them with the mindset that I want to learn not to do what they have done in this case so that I can receive the benefit of God and not fail in this way. So let's begin here with the perils of the plans that are not of God. Verse 10, the severe circumstances should have been a real concern for Abraham. They're not wrong in and of themselves. There are things in life that will come. If you've lived long enough, you know they will come. The storms will come. There was a famine in the land. The rains came November, December, and when they were scanty, then famine occurred. It is not the first time we'll see this repeated through the book of Genesis, chapter 24, verse 1, 41, 56, other places. Now, the famine did not take out by surprise, but though we're not told, without doubt, God brought it on Abram as a test of faith. He's in control. He's called him out. He's already given the promise and the call as well as when he arrived at the land. The eyes of Abraham, notice, were off the Lord, and he placed them on the situation of the famine and allowed himself to be gripped with fear. You know, all I have to do is just take my eyes off the Lord and then focus on the world's condition. It is scary. If I don't remind myself that God's on the throne and that he's in control of my life as I follow him, it can be a scary place to live in. The intensity of the famine is marked by the word severe, grievous, and great. Um, being a new believer, Abraham, remember, procrastinated in Haran for about 45 years. It could be anywhere from 2 to 45, but up to 45 years before he came to his full call, the second call in chapter 12, verse 1. Now, having obeyed completely, he reverts back to his old man, his sin nature. You and I, as we've come to the Lord, we're born again, but we still have sin nature. And if we don't walk in the spirit, we will revert back to our old nature, our cleverness. Some of us were really slick. Boy, could we manipulate. Boy, could we plot. Boy, could we cover. Boy, could we scheme. There's no mention of an altar. Notice that indicating fellowship, worship. No direction sought from Yahweh. Abram had no power to resist to handle the situation on his own. Remember that. 
Whenever you look to yourself, you will have no ability to resist or even discern the full danger of the situation. Abraham went down to Egypt, notice in verse 10, to dwell there for the famine was severe in the land. And Egypt is always a type of the world in Scripture, consistently as a type. Egypt stands for everything that stands against God. The place where God would deliver the nation of Israel after 430 years and bring them out into the promised land. The very same place. But this was not the time. Now, notice in verse 11 through 13, the selfish plotting of Abraham was due to his concern for Abram, (laughs) exalted father. As they were getting close to entering Egypt, it's when he said to Sarah, his wife, Indeed, I know that you are a beautiful woman of countenance. And so he initiates the plan with flattery. Men understand that. It works. Now, this lie was already arranged by both of them when they left Ur the Chaldees. Uh, Genesis 20, verse 13 tells us when, he, when Abraham repeats this sin again with Abimelech, okay? So before they left, here it is. Abram is leaving her the Chaldean. and he says, now, you know, you're, you're, you're a stone fox, you know, and, and when we get to different places, I don't have no support, I don't have no family, and, you know, they're going to want to kill you, so this is the arrangement we make. They both agreed. Here it is now, they're, they're, they're putting it into effect. It was an agreement, way back then. Oh, how resourceful we are. Well, yeah, I'm trusting God, yeah, he saved me, but, you know, I've got my ace in the hole up my sleeve, you know, just, just in case. Sarah was 65 years old. That's quite a compliment for this woman. Rather than turning to God, he turned to his own understanding. Proverbs chapter 3, around verse 6 through 7, it speaks about lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. In all your ways, not some ways, not when you, when you, when you don't understand only, but all the time, depend upon him. In verse 12, Abram's personal interest is the plan, or in the plan, is not hidden. Notice that. He says he feared the Egyptians, seeing how beautiful Sarah was, uh, that they would kill him. And he said that the Egyptians would let her live, implying she would be taken into his kingdom. He understood this. He understands this. You know, they're going to take her into the harem. Ladies, how would you feel about your husband about this time? He knew no family members were there. He knew he had no support. So he's got to get clever. Verse 13, Abram presents the plan by a lie. He pleads with Sarah to lie for him. Now, they've already made the arrangement years before. But making plans and thinking through them is one thing, and they work in our mind. And then all of a sudden, you get to the line of demarcation, and you've got executed, and you're going, so what does he do? He pleads, please say you're my sister. (laughs) Do you think she was a little hesitant? It was half a lie, because she was his half-sister. Daughter of his father, but not of the same mother. Genesis 20, verse 12 tells us. But listen, when you're a Christian, half a lie is a full lie. Abram will repeat this sin, as I said, in chapter 20, verse 2, and his son Isaac will in chapter 26. Fathers, mothers, husbands, wives, be real careful. Your children will be just like you. They'll repeat the things you have taught them. Verse 13, he is considering himself alone, not Sarai. That it may be well with me for your sake, and that I may live because of you. I, I, I. All about me. 
middle letter of sin, I. She could possibly be defiled sexually. Abram was not thinking of Sarai nor depending on God, but his own reasoning, his own skin. Notice in verse 14 through 17, the seeming kindness of Pharaoh was nothing but concern for himself also. So you got two selfish people, the pagan and the godly man. Whoa. Sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between the Christian and the non-believer today. They're the same by their conduct. The one may be saved. Verse 14, the Egyptians took note of Sarai, that she was very beautiful, certainly due to her outward beauty or appearance, but also her lighter complexion, probably. And the plan seems to have been working. Abram probably is just walking through, oh, everything's going good, this and that, they accept it, we got through the gate and the sentinels, and here we are. But all of a sudden, all eyes are turning on them. And, and, and perhaps he's feeling a little bit uncomfortable at this point. It seems like it was all working out. Verse 15, the princes of Pharaoh also saw Sarai and commended her to the Pharaoh. And the word commended means to praise, but in the context it means to boast or to rage about her. Pharaoh, you should see this chick that walked in through the gate over here. Man, even the camels turned and looked. <laughs> They're raging about her. The men of Pharaoh took Sarai to Pharaoh's house. The harem of Pharaoh was not lacking, I guarantee you. The new addition would only satisfy Pharaoh till the next beauty would come. The godly woman is to be praised, the inner beauty, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 through 6. Not the outward beauty. Ladies, um, nothing wrong with the outward beauty. You're good looking, you're beautiful, thank God for it, but be careful with it. And as you grow gracefully, grow gracefully. Don't try to maintain that to the extent to where the older you get, the more ridiculous you look. We have all been around women that just live for that, and they get so many facelifts. When you approach them, you're like this because you're afraid they're going to blow up. Their face looks like a grape. You get in an accident, you need some plastic surgery, fine. But if... It's because you care for the outward woman or the man more than the inward. There's something wrong as a Christian. Absolutely something wrong. Eat good. Exercise. Care for yourself, but don't live for the body. It's all going to burn sooner or later. The man Abram in verse 16, meanwhile, is being treated like a king. <laughs> he was being treated well. For her sake, he was given many gifts. They're given to us there, the livestock, sheep, oxen, male donkeys, female donkeys, and camels. Human servants, male and female servants. The amount of gifts is evident that Pharaoh was treating Abram as nobility. The gifts were intended as a dowry for Sarai. Pharaoh's up to something. Abram knows. The game is understood. Now everything seems to be working out, perhaps better than Abram had expected. But God was not behind the plan. Remember that. You may be clever as a Christian, carnal, and you may think you have things wired. 
You may say, man, this thing's working out better than I even thought. Who says you can't have your cake and eat it too? Be careful, you get too close, you get it on your face. Sooner or later, God's not in it. It's just a matter of time. The intervention of God for Sarah's sake is given to us in verse 17, which makes it very evident that he wasn't pleased or behind it. Abram was willing to take a chance that Sarai was safe, but not gone. He was not amused by Abram's conduct. The sharp contrast is marked by the word but. Abram willfully sinned. He lied. Abram caused Sarah to lie by telling her to lie. Abram caused Sarah to be in danger of being defiled sexually. Who is he? The father of faith. Friend of God. So the Lord intervenes to protect Sarai. Yahweh, the one who had called him out of Ur the Chaldees. Yahweh, the one who promised to make him a great nation. Yahweh, the one who was going to make his name great. Yahweh, the one who would make him a blessing to others. Yahweh, the one who would protect him by blessing those who blessed him and cursing those who cursed him. Yahweh, the one who would bring about the promised Messiah through Sarai. He is ever faithful to the covenant. Abram was not trusting him. Yahweh plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues, verse 17 tells us. The plagues would be significant enough that Pharaoh would understand the connection between Sarai and the arrangement. We're not given details, but it's very evident he understands it to be related. The word great means large in number or in effect. Um, The word plague means to touch with the idea of striking. The nature of the plagues are not stated. They're not given to us at this point. But whatever they were, they quickly got Pharaoh's attention and to seek immediate correction of the ill arrangement, as we will see. But notice the reason is given. Because of Sarai, Abram's wife. God cannot allow Sarai to be defiled by Pharaoh, for she was in the line of the promised seed. Isaac would come through her. Jacob, so on and so forth to Messiah. He had withheld her from bearing until the right time. And the reason being was that there could be no question that the heir to come was to be by the direction of God so that the line of Messiah would be pure and would be the redeemer of the world. There will be so many situations in our lives that will test us to see if we will depend on the Lord or not. They will come in our marriage, through our children, Finances, tragedies. As new believers, the world is still fresh upon our life. The prints of the world are still there. And if we're not careful, and you've just come to the Lord, if you don't commit yourself to fellowship, to study the word and prayer and hanging around Christians, you will resort to your old sin nature. You will gravitate back to your old friends, and you will be sucked in and back into the world. That's a decision you have to make. We're here to serve you, but we're not here to 
control you. You have to make those decisions. The old man must be reckoned dead daily. Romans 6, 6, it's reckoned dead. Romans 6, 11, you must reckon it daily because the sin nature is still there. If we put on the mind of Christ, we'll strengthen the inner man. Ephesians 3.16 says that he would grant to you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through the, his spirit in the inner man. That I might reckon the old man dead. That I might renew the new man more and more. That I walk in the spirit so I don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So I don't depend on myself. The new nature given to the believer is not automatic. I, I trust you understand that. But there must be a personal exercise of the will to obey and depend upon the Lord Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit in order to walk in the Spirit. James puts it this way, James 4, 7, and 8 says, Therefore submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So two things must happen. Resist the devil and draw nigh to God. It can't be one or the other. It's got to be both. Submitting myself to God that he is the one who controls, who directs my life. He's the one that knows best. If not, you're double-minded. Sometimes you trust him, sometimes you don't. Heads God wins, tails I win. And that's how many people in the church live their life. Ephesians 4, 21 through 27 says, If indeed you have heard him, speaking of Jesus, and have been taught of him, or by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct. And the word put off there is like putting a coat off, taking it off. Putting off the old man, you have the ability. Concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the seaful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, same thing, put a coat on, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, putting away lying, let each of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your wrath, nor give place to the devil. I have to give permission to the devil. I have to give permission to my flesh. I have to resist God. I have to not trust in him. That's my responsibility. And so the believer must make a distinction between what God allows to come into his life as a test to depend upon him and what the believer brings upon himself through compromise and disobedience. Because too often God is blamed for things that God doesn't do. The warning is this in 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Therefore let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. Don't trust yourself. Take heed. He who thinks he stands, self-sufficient. That is the warning. The promise is this. It follows in the next verse. Verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 10. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond that you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. If God brings a test, he gives you the wisdom, the knowledge, the way of escape. Whether you take it or not, that's your decision. But it will be there. It will be there for your life, for my life. So often we hear, why did God allow that? When in fact, it was the person's own fault bringing that upon themselves. Listen to Galatians 6, 8. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. He who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. That's an absolute principle for Christian and non-Christian. Absolute straight across. Galatians 
6.8. Are you sowing to the Spirit or are you sowing to the flesh? That is your doing. And you will reap in kind. Everything is in kind. We've studied the principle through Genesis. So the perils of the plans that are not of God can be costly. Pastor Xavier Reese reminds us what happens when you allow compromise to shade your decisions. And you can pick up a copy of today's message, Faith or Foolishness. It's available on CD for just $4. And lending them out when you're through is a great way to introduce a friend to this ministry. Now, the title to ask for once again is Faith or Foolishness, or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it helps us keep track of the response, so thank you for including the call letters of this station when you contact us. What happens when we make decisions contrary to God's plan? That's our topic next time, right here on Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 